0: The Matt Wyatt Show podcast is made possible by Mississippi Land Bank. Buying or selling? Make sure you go there first. Online at MSLandBank.com. That's Mississippi Land Bank, where they understand the lay of the land in North Mississippi. Cole, I really appreciate a little bit of time because I know you've been on the radio uh, all day today. Um can I ask you, did you make a prediction? Do y'all make predictions on, on stuff like this for a game like this tonight and put your name out there on a limb? Yeah, no,
1: I, I went to Alabama tonight. I, I think that uh, I think both teams moved the ball. I think both teams score. I think it could get into high 30s, low 40s for each team. And I think ultimately just – I think Alabama's able to get an extra stop or two. Um, I, I think that the Alabama offense against the Ohio State defense has – a few more matchups, advantages that I like, even though I do think that there are some things about the Ohio State offense that could lead them to put up a good amount of yards and some decent points. But I just think that you know this Alabama team's tested, tried, continuity, rhythm, feel, all that kind of stuff. I just uh, haven't been here more recently. I think that they go out and find a way to get a win.
0: Okay. And so just kind of reading between the lines, it kind of sounds like it's one of those where you think, as you said, both teams score – but it, is it a thing where Alabama is just too good on offense? Like, like they're going to outscore Ohio State. Is it kind of – we sum it up that way? I think so. Mm. Um,
1: you know, I think they have – I think top to bottom they have more talent than Ohio State, but I don't know if they play as sound a defense mm. as Ohio State does. You know, I think, I think Ohio State wins on that side of the ball a little bit more with scheme. Uh, I don't think Alabama is a very good read and react defense this year. Uh, I think they are a, a, good attack defense. And I think you look at some of the teams that they've played down the stretch, uh, where they've, they've really sort of, you know, these people who think that Alabama's defense isn't very good, but they've only allowed two individuals to rest for over 100 yards this year. And by the way, that was in the same game Snoop Connor and Jerry on Ely.
0: Hmm. Those are only
1: two players that go over 100 yards. And you look at the backs they faced against Georgia, you know, Kyle Hill uh obviously the, the kentucky rushing offense you know some of the backs that florida has even with what they do out of the backfield uh you know cj spiller at texas a&m uh, and then of course you played a really solid running game in, against notre dame it's pretty impressive what they've been able to do i think that they are better when given a one-way go when linebackers ask to blitz the a gap when defensive ends ask to slant inside those are when i see them create the majority of their negative plays on that side of the football Obviously Ohio State is going to give you a lot of conflict and that be quarterback running back mesh, read, keep. Uh, and then obviously if quarterback does keep, then has ability to throw, be it RPO or be it, you know, kind of on a new age triple option out in the flat, something along those lines. So I think those are the areas that Ohio State can be successful offensively. I really do believe though, Matt Ohio State's got to try to slow this game down. And I think they can. I mean, we saw him huddle against Clemson last week. So it's not like that's totally foreign. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of slowed things down against Penn State earlier this year, went underneath a little bit, you know, weren't, weren't trying to be as high octane. And I think with Trey Sermon and what he brings in a physical offensive line, I think they can have success running the football. Uh, and then once they do that, that's when Justin Fields is usually at his best. So I, I think that, that Ohio State probably needs to get Alabama's possessions under 15 in this game. And then if they can find a couple of stops and then trade some touchdowns, they might be in a position to win late. Uh, but they can't just trade touchdowns for four quarters. I, I think that means more towards Alabama because I do think they have a little more star power and a little more overall athleticism and talent on defense, which I mean, if you're going to get a turnover in a game like this, if it's going that direction, it's usually just going to be a guy who's making a crazy athletic play. And I think Alabama has more of those guys.
0: Cole Kubelik on your radio right now, ESPN analyst. Former Auburn offensive lineman and uh, host of Three Man Front on WJOX in Birmingham. Follow him on Twitter at Cole Kubelik. What are you hearing, Cole, about the possibility of Jalen Waddell playing for Alabama?
1: I think he's going to play. I think you will see him. I think he'll be out there. Um, I know he's looked good. He doesn't. The way he's running around doesn't look like a guy coming off of major reconstructive ankle surgery. Um, you know, he had a plate and screws put in, he had two tightrope procedures and to think that it's, what are we, three months off of that? Mm -hmm. It's pretty impressive that he's even able to do that. But I I think that physically, I know the fracture has healed, the ligaments have healed. He's ready to go. It's really up to him. And I think he's just being given the option of, if you feel good enough, go, if you don't feel great about it, don't do it. Um, but I could see him just having some sort of a role being used as, you know, with all the motions that Sark does, I mean, I, I charted it the last two games, the two postseason games. Sark has moved on 90 of 128 plays pre-snap. Some sort of motion, shift, trade. Uh, and so to have a guy like Jalen Waddle to be able to use in some sort of rocket or orbit motion, he's going to draw some attention. He's going to, there are going to be some eyeballs uh, focused on him. I mean, hell, that could just open up a running play that goes instead of six yards, it goes for 60 yards. Well, that's a big benefit. If he can pull a safety, three yards away from Devontae Smith opposite him, that as a quarterback, you know, that could be a big benefit. Mm -hmm. So I think there are ways without him even catching the ball eight or ten times that he could really help that offense. I don't think he'll get a huge workload. I don't think he plays 40, 50 plays, but I do think he makes an appearance.
0: Really good stuff. Cole Kublick on your radio right now. So if, um, if he plays, you know, maybe has an impact there on that side of the ball, if you look at Ohio State, um, with Alabama's defense on the field. Do you get a read? Do you have any information you can pass along as to the health of fields and that those ribs, or it, is that overplayed? Is he just good to go?
1: I think it's overplayed a little bit. I think he was dinged in that game, Matt, but if you go back and really watch it, there were a couple plays where he's sprinting out and he makes a pretty good throw, mm. and then two steps after the throw – all of a sudden, it looks like he's hurt. And I'm not trying to say the guy's faking it or anything, but I I, I think I think some of it was maybe exaggerated a little bit. And I think it's something that it's one of those deals, and you and I have had them before where it hurts a lot worse when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when you're out there competing, you don't really think about it that much, then you're okay. Um, but then all of a sudden, you know, come to the sideline or you rest or, you know, your body sort of. Uh, you know, that the, your body tensing up during a play sort of relaxes and then all of a sudden you feel it a little bit more, I think it's a situation like that. So I, I think he'll be fine. I think you may see Ryan Day back off of some of the design runs early just to try and protect him and keep him out of harm's way. But let's be honest, if you're going to win this game, he's got to go. Yeah. He, he he can't be – he can't. and I'm not talking about just play, but you, you can't go and sit there and, you know, drop back 40 times if you're going to win this game. He's got to work him in the read game, work him in the RPO game, got to run him a few times. He's got to get away from pressure. Those are the things that he has to do if Ohio State's going to win this game. So you can't prevent yourself from potentially winning the game because there might be some things that he doesn't feel great about. He's either out there and he's going or he's not.
0: Good stuff. Colt, tight ends. And Ohio State has several, two or three that they use, and they're all big Big body, you know, pro-style type guys, put their hands down. They'll go hand down, into the line. They have an H-back next to him, tight end, all this kind of stuff. And when you go back and look, I was, I was asking you yesterday for some examples, and I went back and looked. And against A&M, Kentucky, Notre Dame, three examples of teams who use them similarly to what Ohio State does. Weidermeyer against Alabama. Weidermeyer of A&M was their leading receiver. Eight catches, 80-plus yards. Upshaw was the second-leading receiver for Kentucky in that game. Three, had an explosive, three catches, 40-something yards. Mayor for Notre Dame goes like seven catches, 70-something or 60-something yards in the game. So they defended them. None of those teams won. Those teams all lost. But Alabama didn't necessarily defend those tight ends all that well. And I just wonder if that's something that you think those tight ends of Ohio State could have a real impact in this game and maybe keep Ohio State in it.
1: I think they. I think they could, but they still. You still lose, um, because I don't think it'd be enough. Mm. And I also don't think that they have. I mean, let's think of some other names that have been successful in different style offenses. You know, Kenny Eboa, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, the, Alabama has given up yards to tight ends, but I mean, I don't. I don't think they have. Ohio State doesn't have a Jalen Weidermeyer. I don't. I don't think they have. Kyle Pitts, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Mayer is going to be a first-round draft pick. Yeah, right. I mean they don't they don't have that guy. Here's the other part of it. I I think that with Malachi Moore's status being in question, which means he's not 100 percent either way, even if he plays, and seeing already what Florida did to him, that you want to be in probably four and five wide, pretty decent amount, mm-hmm. even if that means your tight, even if that means your back is flexed, you motion him back in just to get that personnel group on the field. So I think you stay away from probably 12, 13 personnel because that allows Alabama to play you with their more regular group. If Malachi Moore is dinged, I either want an unhealthy him as a freshman or I want the next guy who had not played as much on the field. So I'm going to live in four wide, and then I'm going to try to run the ball at you. And then, if I think I've got a matchup problem wherever your backup is that hadn't played a lot or a guy that's not healthy, we attack that until you make an adjustment. And when you make the adjustment, it should be advantageous to our run game. So I don't know if it benefits Ohio State to live in 12 or 13, mm. being one back, two tight, three tight, because I think Alabama's defense matches up to that better. Mm. Now, I, I, again, going back to what I said earlier, man, I, I do think Ohio State has to try to possess and control the ball offensively, but I just don't know if that matchup is better suited for what they're going to face, because I think the matchup that you really want to try to get would be the one that was offered to you when you maybe have no tight ends on the field.
0: Really interesting stuff. Hey, and I wanna this is kind of going back. I mean, this injury happened in the SEC title game, and since then, you know, they went out there and just steamrolled Notre Dame. But Alabama's offensive line without Landon Dickerson, as you watch them and and how that went in that Notre Dame game, what's your impression of that situation and the impact in this game?
1: I think it depends on 72 for Ohio State, Tommy Tungai. Uh If he plays, that could be a big advantage for Ohio State. Uh, there are some rumblings that he might not go due to COVID and that he and, and Tyreek Smith and a couple defensive linemen might be out. If that's the case, that could be a big problem for Ohio State. Because I'm with you. I think that's an area that you try to take advantage of. Yeah. Uh, if it's me, I'm I'm trying to – I mean, I'm going to an odd defense. I'm trying to single a guy up in a zero nose. I'm letting him shoot gaps. And that might not be what we feel best in. It might not be our best defense, but I think that could be the most problematic yeah. because make no, make no mistake. Chris Owens did not have a bad game against Notre Dame. He didn't, didn't let his team down. He wasn't awful, but it was very different. There's absolutely a drop off. So I think if you can take advantage of that and you can have one guy be disruptive, cause problems, then all of a sudden, yeah, uh, try to go after it. But I think Tommy Tonga might be the only one. Who could get in there and do that? I don't know if they have another interior guy that could be that big of a problem. So, you know, I, I think it depends on 72. If you see him dressed out, watch that matchup, watch inside. I think that could be a pretty big deal. If not, um, I don't I don't know. I think that, that sort of makes it a wash if 72 is not in the game for Ohio State.
0: Sure. Really interesting. Cole, uh, I appreciate your time. I know you guys just got done. You've been talking – a lot of football today, and so I just appreciate a few more minutes. I got like two minutes here. I'm wondering for you personally, in a year like this where you know, you're know you at the stadium on the sideline for a lot of games, you're working for ESPN, SEC ne- Network, some of those games, your broadcast crew's there, and some of them they're not. They're in their basement. They're at their house, wherever. What's the best way for you to describe to us what this year has been like From a television broadcast perspective, how do you sum that up?
1: Uh, Challenging. Challenging and different, and not just different collectively, as you described, but each and every week different. Because I think if there's one thing about a, a TV crew that a lot of people have not realized before this year, it's that most of us are all together every week. right? Not just, say, Jordan, Tom, and myself, but our producer our director, our audio person, our graphics person. I have an audio person on the sideline with me that travels every week. The same camera people are with us. So I had the same two handheld guys every week working on the sideline with me. I have the same audio guy running my stuff on the sideline every week. I got the same graphics stat person in the truck every week, same director producer every week. Well, there's a lot that we all know about each other by the end of a season. And very rarely did we have three, four, five of the same people every week because hmm. uh, they're doing them out of control rooms on on site at, stadium, or at, the, at the schools. So that becomes a challenge because one guy, I mean, I worked with probably five different directors this year. So, you know, one guy knows exactly how we want to do it because we've done three games in a row. Well, the next guy comes in, he doesn't know how I operate. I mean, he doesn't know about leaving my mic open and, and when I jump in, when I don't jump in or You know, there might be one guy that I can tell him something real quick. I can say, big block left tackle, and he knows he's going to show the replay and let me do it because he has the confidence that I can talk about it. Well, this next guy might think that I'm not capable of doing that, Hmm. so he's not going to give me that replay. So it's just a lot of sort of relearning, new conversation every week, different conversation every week, capable Hmm. of doing things, not capable of doing things, changes week to week. Uh, It was just different, man. It really was. And, you know, the thing about it is, Matt – similar to playing once the game gets going, yeah. I've got my microphone and I got my earphones in and I'm just talking about football. Like, so like that, that part of it didn't change drastically. The, the thing that I tell people that was the most different for me was the trip to the stadium. And that sounds kind of weird, but I mean, pulling up like where we park at most of these stadiums, you know, you could still throw a football and hit the stadiums from where we park. Um, you know, Starkville we pull right up there you know next to on the side of the stadium right by that little uh, bookstore that's right there like that's that's where we park Mm you know we park back behind the north end zone at Jordan Hare Uh, you know at Oxford we pulled that right back down there between you know the basketball arena and and the stadium Uh, Kentucky you know in Lexington we pull right up there to the front of the parking lot you know 20 yards from the stadium well, all of those trips into those stadiums, you know, Tiger Stadium, same thing. We're, we're like 15 feet from the gate. Pulling up to all those stadiums, it's usually 45 minutes, an hour of standstill traffic just mm-hmm. to get through once you get on campus to where you're going to park. There was no traffic this year. There were no people. There were no tailgate tents. There was nobody hanging out. You know, there weren't people walking around. I stayed at a hotel five blocks from Bryant-Denny Stadium for the Kentucky game. I walked to the stadium. I don't think I saw 20 pedestrians yeah. on my way to the stadium. That part of it is is a, a guy that grew up in SEC country, going to games. That was the most different aspect of this season for me.
0: Very cool, Cole. Thank you so much, man. Good to talk to you. Thanks, Matt. Catch up soon. Yeah, we'll talk soon. That's Cole Cubilet, SEC Network, ESPN. I'm Matt in the studio, the bureau, Farm Bureau studio. Stick around.